Hello and welcome to the Money Mentor Podcast, the podcast for your financial education. I'm your host, Ken Mason. On this week's episode, we discuss being financially organized, the financial foundations from which to build, and how once done and periodically revisited, it can transform our financial life for good. Financial organization is 80% of being good with money. It is also the one topic that comes with the most psychological baggage and fills many people with dread. Today is the day we tackle financial organization head on, step by step. When thinking about financial organization, I want us to think of designing a simpler financial life for ourselves. Good design has practical problem solving at its core. It is about being intentional in our financial life. First things first. To know where we are, how we got here and where we are going, we first need to gather all our financial documentation, whether that be in the dreaded financial folder, online or a combination of both. We break down financial organisation into three areas. Financial administration, what we earn and spend, and what we own and owe. Building on last week's episode, each area has more in-depth steps, in order of priority. We start with financial administration, followed by what we earn and spend, and finally what we own and owe. Financial administration, step one. List and consolidate all financial accounts, policies and documentation in one place, such as a spreadsheet, an A4 pad or digitally. Types of financial accounts are current, deposit, savings, credit card, investments, loans, pensions and so on. Among the first financial documents we want are our latest pay slips and our employment detail summary, the replacement for what was our P60s, for the previous calendar year. We can access our employment detail summary through Revenue's My Account service. Our payslips will provide us with details related to our employment, such as payroll date, PPS number, PRSI class, our pay, hours worked, employee-employer pension contributions, health insurance premiums, tax, PAYE, PRSI and USC, professional subscriptions, business expenses, protection benefits, bonuses and so on. Our employment details summary will provide our total annual income related to our employment in that calendar year. Our income earned from working our day jobs is referred to as active income. It is income that stops if we decide not to go to work. Examples include salaries, bonuses, tips and so on. We should also include any passive income we receive. Passive income is money generated from investments or past work that keeps generating income. It is income that is received regardless of the day job. Examples include rental property income, dividend income, royalties, monetizing content, and so on. A large part of being a financial planner is to assist clients transition from active income to passive income by building wealth and achieving financial independence for their desired lifestyle. I will do an episode on active and passive income in series two. Step two, review our list of financial accounts. 
reduce duplication and overlap by switching or closing bank accounts that are surplus to requirements. We can collect more financial accounts than is necessary over time and it only adds to the complexity when trying to determine our past spending. Calculating our total lifestyle spending will be easier to track the less accounts we have while keeping cash spending to a minimum. Less is more, clear out the clutter. The goal is to streamline and automate our money online, centralise our spending and saving in as few accounts as possible. It is likely we are paying bank fees and stamp duty on each account. When reviewing our accounts, we should ask ourselves the following questions. What do we use it for? Income, spending, saving or debt? Do we have multiple accounts for the same categories? If so, why? Which account has the most favourable terms? Can accounts for the same category be switched into one account and the surplus accounts be closed? Direct debits and standing orders can be transferred as part of the switching process. For each individual, there should be no need for more than two or three bank accounts for spending and saving, and preferably with the same bank. A current account, a savings account, and if you really need it, a third savings account. In my day-to-day, I have seen some clients with anything from half a dozen to two dozen bank accounts. It is increasingly difficult to track and manage our money the more accounts we have. What I am saying might challenge how we compartmentalise our spending and saving in certain accounts. My only aim is to simplify our financial accounts for an easier life. Minimalism for our money, so to speak. Couples who aren't married typically have a shared account for bills or they identify who pays for what and then nets that spending off against each other transferring the difference. Married couples' accounts can add another layer of complexity. The structure of financial accounts between those who are married can vary substantially and really the best structure is the one that suits your relationship best. Once married, legally, what's yours is theirs and what's theirs is yours. A financial union is a lot like when you first start living together for the first time. There will be a bedding-in period where you suss out each other's nuances. There are a myriad of account scenarios. What I will do is outline the pros and cons of joint accounts. The pros are 1. Convenience. Centralised account for all income, spending and saving. 2. Estate planning. In the event one of the joint account holders closes their eyes for good, the remaining joint account holder maintains access to the account without the need to go through probate, typically four to six months assuming there is a will in place. This joint account advantage can often be overlooked by those with single name accounts and can compound the loss of a loved one if unable to access funds freely for a significant period. 3. Transparency and trust. Less likely to encounter financial surprises, two eyes are better than one, This has a downside when purchasing a gift for our significant other, as it will appear on the bank statement. Paying cash or having a separate discretionary spending account can solve this. The cons are 1. A sense of losing our own financial individuality or freedom. Not maintaining the same level of financial freedom or autonomy a single account provides might be a sticking point. This has a flip side for a one-income couple or family 
when the person not earning does not have a joint account and thus no direct access to income. 2. Unequal financial circumstances. It is rare that a couple's finances are exactly the same. So when two become one, it is important to set ground rules relating to our historical finances across income, spending, debt, savings and existing assets pre-financial union. 3. Relationship breakdown. It happens all the time and for various reasons. Emotions can be running high and therefore managing a joint account can become precarious and messy. What people do or don't do with money can often be one of the biggest contributing factors in relationship breakdowns. There are those who are happy with entirely separate accounts, those who only hold joint accounts and those with a hybrid of both. A best of both scenario can be using a joint account to receive all income and from which to pay all related joint spending, saving and debt while also transferring leftover funds to two individual accounts for personal spending and saving goals. This hybrid strategy of one joint account for income and two individual accounts for spending or saving is convenient, future-proof and transparent. Whether there is one or two earners, it all comes back to trust and our relationship with money. Sitting down, discussing the pros and cons and any pain points, concerns or worries. Entering into a financial union with their eyes wide open. It is really what works best for you as a couple, but be honest and open about it. There is usually a lead person when it comes to money in a relationship. However, it is important you are both on the same page. We all come to the money table with different experiences and so be patient and keep communication lines open. Teamwork makes the dream work. Two heads are better than one once you are on the same page. Step 3. Categorise our financial list into income, spending, saving and debt. Anything that doesn't fit into income, spending or debt goes into savings. Then categorise further by labelling our spending with basic, leisure and luxury. Basic spending is food, clothes, housing and transportation. They are essentials for living. Leisure spending is sports, hobbies, holidays, entertainment, eating out, cash withdrawals and so on. Leisure spending is defined as a quality of experience or spending money in our free time. Luxury spending is jewellery, yachts, a second home, high-end clothes, sports cars and so on. Luxury spending is defined as something that brings pleasure or happiness, an indulgence. Everyone's interpretation of basic, leisure and luxury spending will be different relative to their earning power. These exercises will make us more conscious of where our money is being spent and how much. Completing a spending planner or budget will reveal whether you are spending more than you earn, spending what you earn, or spending less than you earn. Our spending almost always rises to meet our income in what is known as lifestyle creep. More money, more spending. Correcting lifestyle creep and continuing to be disciplined will contribute to our financial success. Step 4. Sign up to e-statements, e-billing, Use direct debits and standing orders to pay our bills. Minimise the possibility of missing payments and late fees by setting up direct debits and standing orders. 
If things change, you can always cancel them. If possible, you can coordinate payments of bills to a couple of days after you get paid. Step 5. Scan and save down on our computer, memory stick or cloud storage any historical documentation we feel we would like to maintain a record of. There is no unilateral rule of thumb when it comes to maintaining records of our personal financial documents. Businesses are to keep all financial records for six years for tax purposes. When it comes to personal financial documentation, there are few scenarios where we will be unable to get our hands on a physical or electronic copy of a document if so required. This being said, it is always best to err on the side of caution and keep a physical document and electronic copy in our records for reference. Once the pertinent pieces of information are included on our spreadsheet list, we can file that document away. A large part of how financially organised we are will stem from how organised we are when spending money in our lives generally. An example of this is grocery shopping. Shopping once a week with a written list. A shopping list visualising the to-do list. In order for this to happen, we need to map out what food we will be having for the week. Breakfast, lunch and dinner, not forgetting some snacks. Maybe we want to hit some nutritional goals, so we need to identify what recipes capture these ingredients. Maybe we want to do all this with a certain amount of money, and so on. Being organised in our lives will be reflected in our spending. What we earn and spend. Step 1. Using our latest payslip, record our after-tax income onto our spreadsheet. That is the income we receive into our bank accounts from work. It is important to record our income in the format we get paid, that is weekly, bi-weekly, monthly and so on. Step 2. Using our bank accounts, start adding up our weekly, monthly, quarterly, half-yearly, yearly and multi-year spending. So for example, if you are paid weekly, add up what we typically spend in one week. A prime example of a weekly expense is groceries. Then we move on to what we would spend in a month. Examples of monthly spending are rent or mortgage, utilities such as electricity, heat, internet, TV, bins, mobile phone, gym, subscriptions such as Netflix or Spotify, debt repayments, childcare and so on. If working weekly, we want to carve out a portion of each weekly paycheck to pay for our monthly spending. We do this by dividing our monthly spending by 4.35. Why 4.35? This is because there is only one month, February, that is 28 days or 4 weeks long. 7 days times 4 weeks equals 28 days. So the remaining 11 months of the year fluctuate from having 1 to 3 more days per month. 4 weeks times 12 months is 48 weeks, which leaves us a full 4 weeks shy of our 52-week year. Getting back to carving out a portion of our weekly income to pay for monthly spending. Dividing our monthly spending by 4.35 will give us the figure we set aside from our weekly paycheck for monthly spending. If paid monthly, we do the opposite and multiply weekly spending by 4.35. It is our less frequent spending that usually catches most of us out. That is spending that is not weekly or monthly. 
Examples of less frequent spending are christenings, communions, confirmations, engagements, hens, stags, weddings, anniversaries, birthdays, Christmas, Easter, Halloween, New Year's, Valentine's Day, holidays or weekends away, car replacement, phone replacement, furniture, electronics, appliances, insurances such as car, home, pet, travel, health, life, phone, taxes, clothes, annual subscriptions or memberships, healthcare, beauty, grooming, school fees and so on. We want to get to a point where our calendars and our bank account are working in unison, ahead of time. The goal is to calculate how much of our weekly or monthly paycheck is to be used for our less frequent spending. This is achieved by dividing our less frequent spending by the number of paychecks between now and when the future expense comes due. Carving out a portion of our weekly, bi-weekly or monthly paychecks so that less frequent future spending is covered. An example of this would be a car. Say we have had our current car for five years and plan on having it another five years. We plan to spend €10,000 on our next car in five years' time. If we are paid monthly, we divide 10000 by 60, which is 12 months times five years, which equals €167 per month. So €167 Euro from our monthly paycheck needs to be allocated to our future car fund. We then apply this method to all of our less frequent future spending that we know will come due and set it aside in a dedicated account. This is what budgeting is all about. It is about being proactive, making money more manageable and realising how much of our income is already committed to yearly and multi-year spending not just daily, weekly and monthly spending. We want to synchronise our weekly, bi-weekly or monthly paychecks with our total future lifestyle spending. We will be doing extremely well to factor in 80% of our less frequent future spending. It is inevitable we will overlook or forget to include some things, but it is a process of refinement as we move forward. If we are really forward-focused, we can add an extra 20% to our total less frequent spending to prepare us for things we have overlooked and life's inevitable surprises. This process is more of an art than an exact science, as the goalposts are constantly moving. The further back we review our bank statements, the more comprehensive our spending accuracy will become. Some banks have the facility to download transaction history in spreadsheet format online. If we use cash, review our receipts. If we don't have our receipts, start a spending diary or switch to using our bank card full time. There will be a point in time where we draw a line in the sand and use it as a marker of where we are currently. Step 3. If we spend more than we earn or what we earn, we will need to cut spending or increase income. Start by reducing or cutting spending across luxury, leisure and then basic, in that order. Look for deals and discounts. Shop around when it comes to all our bills and debt repayments. Are we getting the best bang for our book? It has never been easier to compare offerings online. Avoid what appears to be a good deal in the short term 
but is a worse deal comparatively overall. Changing supermarket or buying store-branded products can have an immediate impact on our pocket. When deciding between two of the same product or service, value should play a primary role in our decision-making. There are so many TV shows that help us live better while making our money go further. What planet are you on and eat well for less come to mind? Small savings across many expenses over a long period of time can have a significant impact. A spending diary and or the envelope system can work well here. A spending diary documents our daily, weekly and monthly spending. It forces us to engage with our spending on a conscious level. The envelope system is where we withdraw cash from the ATM and place the allocated cash for each spending category into an envelope to cover our spending for that month. This has many benefits. It visualizes our spending, keeps us honest and forces us to manage our money in a very tangible way. By placing a limit on ourselves, it forces us to evaluate our money decisions differently. It may start us down a path of becoming more creative with how we spend our money. Knowing the true cost of our lifestyle is critical to getting to grips with our savings rate. Step 4. If we spend less than we earn, how long will it take us to a. Build a €1,000 starter emergency fund b. Pay off all debt except the mortgage c. Build a fully funded emergency fund of 3-6 to months of expenses d. Save for a deposit on a home, if applicable e. Pay ourselves first secure our financial independence. F. Save for our children's education, if applicable. G. Pay off the mortgage early. A key tenant in personal finance is spending less than you earn and therefore having the capacity to increase debt repayments and or save. That is our ability to save a percentage of our income consistently over time. When it comes to building an emergency fund, The higher our savings rate, the quicker we will reach our emergency fund goal. An example, we have €200 savings surplus available with each paycheck. It will take us five months to reach our starter emergency fund goal of €1,000. Using the €200, we then attack all non-mortgage debt. Episode 5 will cover debt in detail. We then build a three to six month emergency fund with our €200 savings plus redirected funds previously used for non-mortgage debt repayments, which are now paid off. How quickly we accumulate the 3-6 to months emergency fund will depend on our savings rate, monthly expenses and job security. Reaching a €1,000 emergency fund, paying off all non-mortgage debt, and saving a 3-6 to month emergency fund will be the hardest steps by far. Depending on our circumstances, the financial pain can be relentless, and some will contemplate giving up. Don't give up, and believe in the process. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. When saving for a deposit on a home, start with our income multiplier to determine the maximum we can borrow. The difference between what we can borrow and the price of the home will be the deposit, while abiding by Central Bank of Ireland's minimum deposit requirement. Again, our savings rate will determine how quickly we reach our home deposit goal, along with government supports and the bank of mum and dad. 
Mortgages will be covered in more detail in episode 9. Pay ourselves first, not last. Tax is likely to be one of our biggest lifetime expenses. The Irish government has incentivized us to save for our future selves by applying income tax relief when we pay ourselves first. This is applied when contributing to our pensions. Saving for our future selves will be covered in episode 7. When saving for our children's education, we start at the end and work back. Divide the total cost of education by the number of paychecks between now and when the children will attend school or college. Paying off the mortgage will be one of our greatest financial achievements. Owning our home outright, with no further repayments to come out of our paychecks, will allow us increased financial security. What we own and owe. Step 1. List things you own on one side and what you owe on the other. This will indicate our net worth. Simple as that. Examples of what we own are property, vehicles, land, pensions, cash, investments, savings and so on. Examples of what we owe are mortgages, car loans, personal loans and so on. Our net worth is a snapshot of where we are at financially. Reducing what we owe and increasing what we own will improve our net worth position. In summary, keep our financial life simple so it's easy to track and manage. Our savings rate is critical to our future financial success. Focus on building our net worth by reducing what we owe and increasing what we own. This week's book recommendations are The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organising by Marie Kondo. While not money-related, there are many parallels this book advocates that can be applied to managing money in our lives. And you need a budget. The proven system for breaking the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle, getting out of debt and living the life you want, by Jesse Meckham. As the name suggests, this book is a deep dive on budgeting 101. And finally, The Automatic Millionaire, a powerful one-step plan to live and finish rich, by David Buck. The best way to financial success is removing the decision-making from the equation. Consistent and systematic automation of our money minimises the willpower required to make the right decisions. This book piggybacks off of the previous book recommendation, Nudge. This week's movie recommendations are Trading Places. Eddie Murphy plays a con artist who trades places with a snobbish investor all orchestrated by two millionaires to determine the winner of a bet. And sticking with Eddie Murphy and the 1980s, Coming to America, a film about a prince who travels to Queens, a New York borough, in search of his queen. Both are hilarious and at times provide an insight into how people value money. If you have any questions on this week's episode, ideas, suggestions or feedback, please send us an email at team at money-mentor.ie. We can also be found online at www.money-mentor.ie and through the website you can find our Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn accounts. If you are liking what you are hearing, please subscribe and I would be grateful if you could leave a review. Please share with family, friends and colleagues if you think they would benefit. Until the next podcast, thank you for listening. Take care and chat soon.